Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, my lovely Betwixters. It's me, Kate Lister. I am here as I always am with your fair dues warning. Kate, what is a fair dues warning? Well, I'll tell you. A fair dues warning is the warning that we have to give you at the top of each show to make sure that you know what you are in for, to make sure that you are prepped, primed and ready for the horrors that lie ahead. (laughs) The fair dues warning is us protecting you from yourselves and certainly from us. So here it is. This is an adult podcast spoken by adults to other adults in an adulty way about a range of adult subjects and you should be an adult too. If you're not, get out now. If you are of a sensitive disposition, get out now. We are actually looking at the history of queer women today, so we will absolutely be getting into some rudy, nudie, naughty territory. (laughs) Wouldn't it be disappointing if we didn't? But if after all of that you continue to hang around with us, then you really have nobody to blame but yourself if you do get offended by this, because fair dues, you were warned. Betwixters, we are going on holiday to a Greek island. We learnt it, after all. Well, no, I certainly have. (laughs) But it's not just any holiday, mind you. This is very much a historically based holiday. And this one takes us back in time to around about 600 BCE on the island of Lesbos. We are here to drink some lovely wine and to meet the legendary Sappho, the famed poet, musician, and as many historians will tell you, the OG lesbian. Oh, yeah. Of course, there were lesbians before her. Of course, there were. We know that. But Sappho is the first one we have documented evidence for. Hmm. And I was just reading one of her poems, actually, a poem about giving her favourite instrument a good strumming, the lyre. I took my lyre and said, come now, my heavenly tortoise shell, become a speaking instrument. Well, that's some pretty steamy stuff if you're a liar. Ah, lovely. Serenade as Sappho if you would be so kind. Beautiful lyre playing, just delightful. Absolutely extraordinary fingering going on there. On today's episode, we will be going betwixt the sheets with Sappho and many other queer women in history. We are going to be finding out about their lives, their experiences, and why it is so important that these stories are told and keep being told. What do you look for in a man? Oh, money, of course. <laughs> You're supposed to rise when an adult speaks to you. I make perfect copies of whatever my boss needs by just turning a knob and pushing the button. Yes, social courtesy does make a difference. Goodness, what beautiful time. Goodness has nothing to do with it, dearie. Welcome back to Betwixt the Sheets, the history of sex, scandal and society with me, Kate Lister. 
Although language may not have always been available to describe queer people in the past, there is absolutely no doubting that the people who made up the queer community were always there, however it has been that they've defined themselves. Of course they have. And whilst their stories have not always been in the traditional history books, as we will find out, representation is a very important thing. It can help you validate who you are and your place in the world. Which is why it's fantastic that today's guest, Kirsty Law, wrote A Short History of Queer Women. It is a marvellous book and I thoroughly enjoyed giving it a good thumbing. Come with us as we travel back through time to explore some of the amazing people in Kirsty's book. People that have been unashamedly queer in societies that just weren't ready for them. From runaway pirates to intersectional black feminists. I am ready if you are betwixters. Hello and welcome to Betwixt the Sheets. It's only Kirsty Law. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Beyond excited to be talking to you, the author of History of Queer Women, which I have been very fortunate enough to read, and it is a magnificent and super fun account of queer women in history. Well, you endorsed it for me, didn't you? So thank you very much. (laughs) I liked it that much. Honestly, it was so much fun to read. What was it that made you want to write that book? There was um, two reasons really for why I wanted to write it. I think the first one was I'm 36 years old, which in terms of technology is just, you know, it's ancient really, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, 36 is young, you know, but like when you speak to kids in their 20s, it's just like it's a completely different world. Like an app is completely different. So as a child, I didn't have the internet. I didn't have that at school, didn't have it in the house. And I realized I was a lesbian when I was about 15, but I think before that, I definitely knew something was up, something was going on, but I had no idea what, you know what I mean? I just didn't know what was going on. And I had nothing really to compare it to. I'm from Manchester, which is a um, big gay-friendly city, but really where I was from on a council estate, one of the roughest council estates in the city, it wasn't really the thing to be. And I didn't know any lesbians, didn't see any lesbians, There was Ellen, but, you know, you daren't say anything about Ellen because you'd get called a lesbian. So that was it. So I didn't know anything. So I love history. I've always loved history. And I would always try and find people that were like me, but it was just impossible. So I always thought, wouldn't it be great if there was just a little book, like with a chronological timeline of just queer women, lesbians, just from right at the beginning of time, just like heterosexual people have up until the present day. So that was the first one. It was selfish reason for me, basically. But then also for all the other people in the world that may want something like a timeline, just a chronological timeline of themselves. And then secondly, I love queer theory and lesbian studies and gender studies. And it's just very academic. It can be quite inaccessible. Yeah, it's a bit inaccessible. And it can put a lot of people off. You know, Judith Butler, Gender Trouble is a great book, but it's... Yeah, and it just... (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what's going on half the time. I mean, I'm into it. I know that I'm into it and it's groundbreaking, but I'm like, I don't get it. So it took me a long time to kind of get into that world. And then I thought, why am I so desperate to be in this world when I could just maybe write something accessible for people like me who want a bit of sex or some swearing or some humor or just an easy read, you know, and that that was the second reason. These are both excellent reasons. Thank you. I'm really interested in what you said, well, in all of it so far, but the first thing that you said about how when you grew up, you were aware that there was something different about you, but you didn't know what it was. And although that was Manchester before the internet kicked off, is there was still more conversations around sexuality that, that are widely accessible. And it just made me think, like, how did people understand their sexuality 100 years ago, 200 years ago, when there was nothing at all? I think that's the best thing about queer people or maybe just minorities is that you're always going to look for someone like you and you're always going to find a way to find someone that's like you. So whether it be wearing a monocle like they did in in (laughs) Paris or in the gay culture in like the 50s and 60s where they would put a handkerchief of of a colour in the back pocket, there's always a way of finding other people like you. So like even Ann Lister would ask people if they liked Byron so she could just 
figure out their reaction clever yeah so she'd be like hey do you like byron and she'd like wait for them to either be like really shocked or like yeah i've read byron then she'd go "Mm, all right i'm in right let's do something so people (laughs) people will always figure out a way to find each other really won't they oh they will absolutely they will the other thing that fascinates me as well is the language around it. I think that's because you just mentioned Judith Butler and we're veering into deconstructionist territory and hopefully veering away again quite quick. But <laughs> a lot of this is caught up with what is the language around your sexuality? and if you, What are the words that you use? Because if you don't have the words, if the word... I think the Oxford English Dictionary traces the word lesbian back to sort of like the, the 19th century, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah, right? Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. what would you have said? Now you come out you say i'm a lesbian i'm gay i'm queer whatever it is but in the past what language was accessible to people you can't just be going around going do you like byron (laughs) mum and dad Dad, i like byron i've been experimenting with byron (laughs) i'm a byron fan well the word lesbian it was in the dictionary then but it was actually used in reference to queen anne actually back in the in the 18th century yeah yeah so it was in i think it was called a poem called the toast or something in the newspaper and it was the first reference to a lesbian being of a woman that is interested in another woman. But uh-huh. as with all lesbian history, it was swiftly ignored and only include in the dictionary a lot later. Why do you think that is? Because that's lesbians. <laughs> I'm being really general now. I'm, I'm very, very fascinated by how lesbian sex and, and act and culture has been treated when it comes to gay sex and culture. For example, Gay sex in Britain was criminalised under the... Henry VIII came out with, with this sodomy act, and punishable by death. Yeah. And lesbians, everyone seems to have gone, nah, they're fine, it's just jolly japes. It's, it's a really weird... Like, why? I mean, I'm very pleased that lesbians weren't executed. That's really good. It's terrible gay men were. But why have men been imprisoned, executed, mutilated, and lesbians have not attracted the same... They've sort of flown under the radar. Yeah, but then some definitely were executed and drowned. But I don't know. I think it goes from one extreme to the other. So it's either they're just ignored and it's mostly in the idea that it just could not possibly ever happen. So two women together could never, ever, ever want to have sex without a penis. Just would never happen. So it doesn't even go into their consciousness. It's as simple as that. It's that we cannot conceive of sex unless there's a dick involved. It's as simple as that. Even today. Wow. Even today. That that is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's a massive reason, yeah. I have heard people say, in all honesty, like, what do they do? Exactly. That's the biggest question I've had throughout my whole life. Like, what do you actually do in bed? It's such a weird question. I know, isn't it? And like really like invasive as well. But Really invasive? What's your response to that? Depends how I'm feeling. Depends how you feel. Yeah, depends yeah. what mood I'm in. If I'm in like yeah. a let's wind them up mood, then I'll just push it. But I'm, a, I'm actually an English teacher and I get a lot of students from across the world. And yeah, a lot of them from where the majority of them are from. Yeah, it doesn't even go into their consciousness. Just something that is not a thing. God, the power of the penis, eh? I know, right? Absolute centre stage it's had for far too long. Um, But you mentioned the the word lesbian there and being attached to Queen Anne. Lesbian, the word comes from lesbos because that's where Sappho came from. Is she the earliest type lesbian woman that was attracted to other women that you found an example that maybe that survives? That's the earliest evidence that we've got. Yeah, for sure. She's like the OG lesbian, as in, <laughs> yeah, that's what she's referred to, the OG. I mean, yeah, because that's where lesbian came from, doesn't it? And she's very, I don't like to use the word unapologetically, but because it's like we have to apologise for being a lesbian. Mm. But she was very open about her sexuality and wrote a lot of songs and poetry and played them to women. And yeah, and was very open about it. So it's really funny that even today, historians are just like, no, she was straight. She just liked women as friends. And that was it. (laughs) And that was it. Lesbian history seems to have suffered with that particular phrase. Yes. More than a lot of other history. They were just friends. And I think maybe it is from this weird idea that when women get together, that we do like braid each other's hair and we just have pillow fights and that kind of weird idea that that's just what we do anyway. So that's just what <laughs> girls do. It's it, it's true. We do do that, but we also have sex with each other. Yeah. In between the pillow fights <laughs> or braiding the hair. But Sappho, 
not a lot of people know this, but she actually invented the guitar pick. No. Yeah, so she could fuck more women because no, she loved playing the guitar and she had to have her fingernails long to play the guitar. And obviously oh. to have sex with women, you need short fingernails. So she decided to invent the pick so she could play guitar and have sex with women, which is genius. Kirsty, that, how, how do you know <laughs> that? What? What? <laughs> I just might need to just take a pause. Just to wow. All I do is just research lesbians, and that was one of the things that I found. <laughs> That's literally the whole life is just like, what did Sappho do? How like where's is that in her poems? Has she put that in there? I don't know where the exact reference came from, but I've heard okay. it a few times in a few podcasts. There's a podcast called Sweet Bitter, which is about Sappho with a Sappho expert, and I've read it in the few books that exist on lesbian history. I've read it in a few there, but yeah, it does wow. seem to come from credible sources. Yeah. And the other thing about Sappho is so we have fragments of poems that survived that were written by her, just like little bits and pieces. Do we know if she was like widely read at the time? Was she just a guitar picking lesbian that nobody was reading, or was she? Was she? Did she have like a big following? I think she was reasonably favoured in that she because she lived on the island, so on the mainland, women were treated a lot differently. I mean, she was still treated like shit, <laughs> but she was allowed to have female friends, and she was allowed to write. A lot of women in the mainland weren't even allowed to write at that time or couldn't, were illiterate. So, yeah, she was literate, which meant that she was learned. And then she had these opportunities that not a lot of other people did. So that would have gathered a following. And she was often surrounded by women. So she was independent, maybe not independent of men full time, but you could obviously tell that she was independent of men and had this life that was independent of men in some aspects of her life. I suppose if the word lesbian and sapphic is traced back to Sappho, that sort of suggests that she must have been reasonably well known if like her name has impacted the language, right? Yeah, like she pissed off a lot of people because, well, men. She pissed off a lot of men because of what she was up to. And they would use it as a slur. So they used sapphic, sapphis, lesbian. The word lesbian, because they were referring to all the people of Lesbos, not just her. Yeah. They were just saying that all the women there were lesbians. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and they're all just fucking each other, which they probably were. Maybe they were. Oh, probably. They're on an island. What else are they going to do? <laughs> Play guitar. Cut the fingernails. And then, yeah, that just pissed off a lot of men, so wow. it became a slur. And I think that's probably still the reason why the word lesbian, it's had its ups and downs, that word, for lesbians mm. too. It's a word that doesn't easily come off the tongue, pun intended. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry, I had, it had doesn't, to do does that. it? It's got a z sound to it. and it's. I'm trying to bring it back. Are you a fan? Oh, I'm a big fan, yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, I think another thing of it is that when we use gay, I'm gay. We use it as an adjective, don't we? But when we use lesbian, mm. we use it as a noun. So I think that's part of it too. It's a bit jarring sometimes. Yeah. And I know a lot recently with Gen Z, they are more into using the word queer than lesbian or gay, or they mm. prefer to use the word queer, which I totally get because queer is a gift. That is a gift word, really. Mm. But yeah, it's a word that some say might die out, but we'll see. So we've got Sappho. Way back when, doing her thing, pissing men off, picking guitars, writing epic poetries. What is some of the evidence that comes in after that? Because the problem with sex history, any sex history, is it's actually quite difficult to find because you'll find what lawmakers think or moralists think or people holding the pens think, but actually first-hand accounts are quite difficult. And lesbian history, as you've already said, often gets ignored or dismissed as, well, it's just girls being girls. What is the evidence of after Sappho that you found? Well, you have maybe around the same time, but there was in Pompeii when Vesuvio exploded and erupted, there was graffiti on the wall, which indicated it was written yes. by a woman for another woman. But in my book, I do tend to, it's creative nonfiction. So I like to fill in the blanks, but I feel like historians have been doing that forever. So it's true. We have, we just talk absolute shit. Just make <laughs> yeah, it all up. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought, like, if they can tell me that these people aren't gay, then I'm going to say they are gay. And it's just the same thing, isn't it? I'm just going to say That's that they true. are. Yeah, and there's evidence that it's not, I didn't just pick it out of thin air. There is evidence there that this woman wrote this other thing to another woman. And I just filled in the blanks in that they were going down on each other at the time. Nice. I mean, that's <laughs> some skill, isn't it, to be able to write on the wall and be able to do that particular act. During a, a women volcano have always eruption. Been... <laughs> Women have always been good at multitasking. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's to a whole other level. So you said there that there have been some punishments for women 
having sex with other women. And I, I'm aware of some that happened in the Netherlands in the 16th century where some women were burnt to death yeah. as female sodomites. What other examples of punishment, of sanctioning women, and what were they put on trial for? Were they put on trial? So, yeah, like a lot of the time they were ignored, and then it wasn't stopping, so they couldn't ignore it anymore. <laughs> so... They didn't know what to do. And then we tried ignoring them and they're still doing it. <laughs> still having sex. So what they did was they charged them with the same as what men would. So like buggery or sodomy and things like that. They were charged with that, but without the penis. So it didn't really make sense, but they still yeah. did it. A lot of women or queer people, because obviously now they could be considered trans for sure. Um, so a lot of people had wooden dildos that they made so that they would carry or wear. And that was enough for the authorities to charge them with sodomy because they had a replica of a wow. penis. Yeah. So they would get charged with that. So there wasn't actually a law. Then there was a German lady called Catherine Herzeldorfer, I think. And I think she was the first person recorded charged for having sex with another woman. So a woman having sex with another woman. Wow. And she was drowned. Yeah, so they drowned her for Oh, oh, Catherine. Oh. What was the date for that? So it was 1477. God, that's the Middle Ages, isn't it? And that was in Germany? I believe so, yeah. And the thing is, like when you said before, why are they ignored? Sometimes I think... It's annoying that we are ignored, and I'm like, burn us and, and drown us, like, like you do the gay men, like, acknowledge that we exist. But then, obviously, it's really sad, but then it's just a two-way thing. It's like we either don't exist and you don't acknowledge us, or you do treat us the same as gay men by executing us. Yeah, and that's it's a weird feminist hill to die on that one, isn't it? That's, yeah. Yeah, more execute. No, nobody wants that. No one wants more executions. So do you get a lot of these convictions where women are running around with dildos? Yeah. Is that the main evidence? Again, we're back to the penis, aren't we? Is that yeah. you've got to have a pretend penis and now we can convict you? Hey, but I'm not knocking the strap on because well, no. it's genius. But a lot of women, I mean, I don't necessarily want to say women in these contexts because again, you know, a lot of these people of would have been trans. So they've been recorded as women because that vocabulary and terminology and identity didn't even exist. So a lot of them would wear strap-ons, dildos, homemade ones, either just to have sex. There was a lot of people who said it was pleasurable. There was two women that went to court because one of them said it wasn't pleasurable and the other one said, oh, you weren't saying that when I was fucking you. So that was, that was funny. Wow. They were either lesbian, trans, queer. But yeah, a lot of them were carrying dildos, wearing strap-ons and making good use of them. And you write about the Italian stallion, Caterina Vazanzi. Yeah. Tell me about Caterina. So I think with this one, I would be comfortable saying she, because when she okay. passed away, she asked to be buried in female clothing. Right. So she was just like top shagger <laughs> before like any of the other top shaggers. On the headstone. <laughs> yeah, like she started young. She was like 14, I think, when she started and she had an affair with her embroidery teacher. As you do. Right. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. Then she just kept having lots of affairs, but she kept getting caught by her lovers, like their fathers, who just kept trying to shoot her or beat her up. So, so she would just go around Italy, sleeping with all these women. Their fathers would find out, try and shoot her. She'd escape. So she got bored of that and decided that she would dress as Giovanni so she could kind of get away with it a bit more. Right. But the fathers were still unimpressed because they were not married. And she ended up getting shot in the leg. And then she was Giovanni then, and that's when she asked to be buried in female clothing. And was that what killed? Yeah, yeah. Shot in the leg. Oh, my God. Wow. By one of the dads. So all these dads were just pissed off with her, running around Italy, sleeping with all her daughters. And then she got shot in the leg and then passed away. And after she died, they were fascinated with her because of what she was doing, cross-dressing, sleeping with women. So they completely just, like, dissected her anatomy. Oh just to try and figure out how she was a lesbian. Where does the lesbian come from? <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. But they just took everything out, but found nothing, of course, because unfortunately, under your ovaries, there's not a big L that says lesbian. I'll be back with Kirsty and lesbians after this short break. Thank you. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Professor Susanna Lipscomb, and on my podcast, not just the Tudors from History Hit, I try to make sense of everything that baffled our early modern ancestors. Like, what do you do with your waist? If you put your dunghill up against your neighbour's wall, you're going to cause rising damp. Would Henry VIII ever consider executing his wife, the Queen of England, Anne Boleyn? I'm not even sure if the Boleyns took it seriously, because why would they have any reason to suspect Henry VIII would really get rid of his queen? And why do men grow beards? During puberty, the male body heats up and a smoke rises in the body, pushes out the hair in the face. So the beard is actually a form of excrement. In other words, not just the Tudors, but most definitely also the Tudors. Twice a week, every week. Listen and follow on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And then you've got historical characters that a kind of a myth or a suggestion of lesbianism grows up around them. And I'm thinking of your two pirate queens, oh, yeah. Anne Bonny and Mary Reed. And there's a kind of like a swirling around them of like, maybe, maybe, maybe. Like, it's not enough that they were just pirates. No. What's your take on that? Do you think that they were lesbians as well? Or maybe... Oh, 100%. Well, massively. <laughs> massively. Like... There's, there's a lot of evidence that Anne Bonny was just a character, though. She was just yes. really, really funny. Mm. This is another thing that I find with lesbians in history is that we have this bad reputation, lesbians, of just kind of being the boring member of the LGBT community, you know, tepid, lukewarm. I feel like, yeah, we have that a lot. Really? The, yeah, like the lavender colour or... We tend to get into partnerships and then stay together for years and years, which is true. <laughs> like, I've never thought of lesbians like that. I'm quite surprised. To yeah, hear that. we're like we're sexless individuals. You know, we don't we don't have a lot of sex, but it's rubbish. As you can see, we have a lot of sex. You and have a lot of sex. Yes, and piracy. Very very funny. Like very 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 <laughs> funny people. Why do you think that they were funny? What was Anne Bonny doing that makes you laugh? Anne Bonny was just a nutter. So she moved from Ireland to the US, and just had the shortest temper. She just couldn't deal with men. She'd like burn down their plantations. If one of them looked at her funny, she'd break their arm. She was arrested for stabbing one of them to death, but then she also stabbed a maid to death. So mm. that's not nice. Well, it's not nice that's, killing anyone to death. No, but. it's definitely frowned on. Isn't but it? she'd beat up would be rapists. She was just very angry and a very angry individual and her okay. father kept trying to make her get married and she was like no I don't want to and then she did marry someone and then she was over it and then ran off to sea because she mm, met a pirate I love that for Anne and yeah like you said it sounds like very mythical and like out of a story but yeah she actually did run off she met a pirate ran off to sea and was supposed to get with him 
but then ended up getting with the other woman on board. What I love about that is that, just as you were saying there, because I was thinking, is that true? That like the myth that, that they must have been together? And I, I was just thinking to myself, that just seems a little bit on the nose. I was like, but they are pirates, Kate. Like they did like how the story is already quite extra, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> there were only two men on board. And if they were both inclined in that, I mean, that's very lesbian too. It's like, find the other lesbian and then ma- marry the lesbian and then have children with the lesbian and then get 10 cats with the lesbian and then divorce the lesbian. That's basically what they did. I'm, I'm glad that there's less piracy amongst the lesbian community today, though. Yeah, I think lesbians and pirates go quite well together, though. I think it's a life that lesbians should lead. Whereas the gay men can continue to have sailors. Yeah. And, and the lesbians the can take piracy. Yeah. I like that. What about royalty? Let's talk royal lesbians. Because with all kinds of history, the stories that are lost to us are just the everyday stories. Because I was about to say we don't have a diary of a lesbian, but we do, and we'll get to her. (laughs) It's the most famous diary in the world, Kate. (laughs) (laughs) But just like your average bog-standard person on the street, and even today we're not recording things. We don't tend to have sex diaries. And if you did, were you going to leave it to the British Museum? It's a weird thing. (laughs) Like You'd have to leave it for a few hundred years, and then it becomes valuable, right? It's just you recording how many times you masturbated in a week. If you send that to someone now, it's harassment. Give it 200 years and it's like an historical treasure trove. I know. Imagine. That'd be so cool. It'd be so cool. But we lose the voices of just your everyday, your working class people, people who couldn't write, people who just weren't thought worthy to be written about. But royalty, we have quite a few records on, you aristocracies. So walk me through the royal lesbians well i guess queen christina in sweden was one of the most famous in that as soon as she was born there was questions but not necessarily about her sexuality but they all thought she was a boy why because she had a big nose (laughs) hashtag science she had a big nose and hairy back so they were like she must be a boy and then they found out she wasn't but Yeah, like you said, she was a royal, so life was not that tough and she Mm. could do near enough what she wanted to do, which is quite lucky really for her at that time. But in royal households, I guess they, well, I guess it depends who your mother and father are as well, but luckily her father was quite chill. I mean, they were Swedish, so (laughs) renowned, chilled individuals, but she was just sleeping with everyone again. She would refuse to wear dresses. She was the heir as well. And she had a partner that she called her bedfellow. It was an open secret. They split up. Christina did not want to become queen. And she rode off into the sunset just to fuck other people. Wow. And this was the 17th century. Yeah. I suppose when you've got that much money, it's a different level of accountability, really, isn't it? It's just, you've got a lot of fuck you money, really. Yeah, but then you think, You've got that. But then on the other hand, why do we only have Queen Anne, who we know is a British queer person or lesbian? And why is no one else comfortable enough, especially now? I mean, you can't tell me there's not one single queer person in the royal family. No. I'm just thinking mentally, just like, who would I pick? Anne. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, did you see her at the coronation? (laughs) But talk to me about the other queen, Anne. So what's the evidence for this stuff? Because this is where historians get hold of it and they go over the nitty gritty and they go, well, actually, this could mean this, that could mean that. You're reading it through modern perspectives. What is the evidence that Queen Anne was get apart from the fact that there was a brilliant film with Olivia Colman in it, which we can't really use as evidence, but like the actual Queen Anne, what is the evidence that she was a queer woman? The thousands and thousands of letters that her and Sarah Churchill sent to each other. One side of the letters are gone. Not all of them, but majority of them they were burned but the letters are always like i miss you i miss you come stay with me i want you to be in my bed and it's flowery writing but that's just the writing of the time but you read between those lines and it's basically i want you in my bed so we can have sex i miss you i want to fuck you you're the love of my life come home and the favorite is obviously fiction but a lot of it comes from truth and the relationship between them was very much so like that in that sarah churchill was trying to meddle or get higher in a position but there was love between them for sure and Queen Anne had a not a very nice life really 
considering... She was in a lot of pain, wasn't she? And she lots and lots of babies that didn't make it and miscarriages. And just a loveless marriage and gout. And so I think it's unfair to take that relationship away from her because it seems mm. to be the only loving relationship that she had in her life, apart from when the cousin came along and stirred a few feathers... But I think the letters say enough and I just think it's really unfair and just a bit silly when historians just discount that because it's like, mm. no, they're just friends. And it's like, no, they're not because they're talking about being in bed with one another and I know. having it's... sex. Okay, you, do... <laughs> you do have to be careful as a historian. And I understand like the hesitation because the thing is, is when you look back at history and like we're so keen on reclaiming marginalised histories that it is really tempting to look at things and go oh my god they were gay yeah and you want that history you want to bring it back and you want to be excited about it and I understand that there is a need to go right just slow down they might not be as gay as you think they are but these letters even by the standards of the time they were inviting each other into their bed. Yeah. You'd have to prove to me that that was happening in platonic friendships as well and I haven't seen the evidence for that. Yeah and this is the queen as well, you know. She has other beds, right? Yeah. Like you can't even make the argument that, well, the people did share beds. Not if you're the queen, you fucking No, queen. exactly. And she ain't just going to invite some random person into a bed. This is the queen of England. Like, she's not just going to be like, oh, come into my bed so we can chat. That's not her. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that these people are lesbians, but mm. the element of queerness yeah. is there all the way through. With so many things through history, that queerness in that it challenges heteronormativity and I think that's mm. the good distinction between the two in that we're not just going she's a lesbian she hates men she doesn't want to have sex <laughs> with men that's probably not true because she was married you know and that maybe mm. there was some love in that relationship she had a lot of miscarriages there was probably mental health issues but then she did have that love with Sarah Churchill and that's important not to discount that so mm. it, it did challenge heteronormativity and I think that's the main key in history really to take away from is that factor and it seems that they were widely spoken about at the time and like not even mm. like sort of like whispery whispery but like there's satirical pamphlets written about them and like jokes being made quite openly about them as well at the time yeah yeah like that's where the word lesbian was first referred to in those newspapers and those jokes and people were just taking the piss <laughs> because that was all they could really have on her at the time and people were not mad about it it was just like no. oh the queen's having sex with Sarah Churchill ha 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 or maybe it was just like no that could never happen but it's funny yeah it's funny or the yeah. other thing that lesbians throughout history seem to have got is they're almost like I don't want to say a tourist attraction that sounds mad but like people want For to sure. like sort of gawk about them I'm thinking of before we get to Anne Lister because I know that she met them the ladies of Langolin I don't know if I'm pronouncing that particularly right but they in the 18th century live in Wales like, people just turned up to have a look at them. Oh, my God, yes, they did. They were fascinated. I don't think it was a sexual thing. I think it was more in that they had set up this amazing house. Not really a literary salon, but it was just a cool house with cool things in it. <laughs> Fair. I mean, I can understand that. <laughs> they wanting to just go and look at a cool house. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Like, Byron went there, Percy Shelley was there. Oh, Byron just can't keep he loves away it, from these he? things. He apps ballywag that he is. Anything, like, not heterosexual, he's all over it, isn't he? If he stays still long enough, he'll have a go at it. So who were the ladies of Langollin and what were they up to? I, mean, I don't want anyone to think that, like, there was tourists flocking there to see them having sex because that's not what was happening. But no. they were widely known to be, I don't want to know, like a couple? Is that what they were known for? Apart from having a lovely house. They were 100% a couple. They met in Ireland. That's where they're from. They met on a walk. And as lesbians do, they just fell in love with each other straight away and decided to run off together. Right. They were stopped a couple of times by their parents. They'd go and hide in each other's houses. They got a dog. They ran away with their dog. They finally ended up in Wales and settled in the nice little quaint village. People were not that happy. At the beginning, they were into it. They were like, this yeah. is nice. This is cool. And I think, like we said before, there was that element of they're just really good friends that are mm. quite mm. different. I just don't yeah. think it would have ever occurred to them that they would have slept together. But they did. And they called each other my love, my wife. They had lesbian friends. They would sleep in the same bed. They would have sex. And yeah, people would come over and hang out with them because they were educated, smart women, interesting women with a cool house with cool things in it. When they passed away, though, that's when the people of the village got a bit annoyed because it kind of 
the village became famous because of this couple that lived there. Right. So they tried to steer away from that because it was becoming known as like the lesbian village and all these lesbians would come on a pilgrimage just to see the house, which they still do okay. today. Oh, do they? Oh, yeah. I was supposed to go last weekend, but I actually... I went on my own lesbian pilgrimage last year up to Yorkshire, your ends. Well... No, don't say that. You went on a pilgrimage to my end. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have to talk about the great Anne Lister, who unfortunately is no relation of mine. I know I've done the genealogy. It's really depressing. But Anne Lister of Shibden Hall, hugely famous diarist, famous lesbian, she went to visit the ladies of Langollen, didn't she? Yeah, she did. She was very much interested. She'd heard about them through the the grapevine, the grapevine, and Mm -hmm. she was very interested in how they'd concocted this life where they could live with each other as a married couple. And Lister was desperate to get married, not to a man though. She was desperate for a wife. She like really wanted a wife. Just the idea of that having a wife, that's what she wanted. And she was really intrigued by what they'd done in Wales. So she went down there to have a look. And in her diary, she does come across quite shy, really, when she was there. It doesn't really shout the analyster that you kind of Mm. see in the other aspects of her diary. And I think she was very impressed and moved, I think, by it. Because at the Mm. time, she was trying to figure out her lifestyle and 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 how she was going to settle down because she just really wanted to settle down that's what she wanted yeah i think that there's so much about the history of Anne Lister that really surprises you when you get into it but i think the thing that surprises me most is how certain she is around her sexuality yeah and how confident she is and although she's got to be discreet she writes her diaries and codes Again, people around her knew, people around her talked about it, and she is very open and confident with the fact that she, in her own words, loves only the fair sex. Yeah. Again, though, as we did say before, people may have known, but not to the extent, I don't think. Mm. I think the idea of her having sex with other women was just unheard of and just wouldn't come into their consciousness. Obviously, some people would, but even her family, I doubt that they would have known the extent of... I think they knew that she was maybe in some kind of relationship with women. Yeah. But the sexual part, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of people, it just wouldn't just wouldn't go into their heads. No. It's like they're just very, very, very good friends and they might romantically love each other. Yeah. But it's almost like this kind of celibate thing. But when you read the diaries... Oh, yeah. Nope. 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 She knew what she was doing. Oh, ho, ho. like she's chopping pubic hair off her lovers. The word she uses is grubbling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. She uses queer for vagina, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. She uses kiss for an orgasm. So she definitely knows what she's doing. She sounds like she's dynamite in bed as well. Do you think so? Because oh, I, yeah. I read that she had contracted some kind oh, of... Oh, yeah, she did. She got from yeah. one of her lovers. And that she was much more of a giver than a receiver. She was a hardcore top. <laughs> oh yeah, she was. She was, had top vibes, but she does write about how she has orgasmed. Okay. Yeah, has received a middle finger. Right. Okay. Because um, I was at the International Analyst Summit online, and somebody was making the argument, or at least they were explaining that she didn't let people touch her very much. Analyst. I think to an extent, maybe she did definitely prefer to give. Mm. But no, there was definitely some versatility in there from what I've read in her diaries. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. And she was clearly very seductive because there's not many that turned her down, it seems, once she'd set her sights on someone. Said the gift for the gab. And I think, yeah, she just had that appeal of like, you just know she'd be good in bed as well. (laughs) You just look at it and just go. Yeah, you know, you just see someone and you're like, yeah, they know what they're doing. You know your way around that. Yep. And speaking of people that know their way around things and are prolific lovers, Natalie Clifford Barney. She's one of my favourite historical lesbians. Again, because she's so open and unashamed with it. Again, like Anne Lister, she has the privilege of money Mm. and class that kind of get people off the hook a lot. But tell me a bit about who she was. It's weird, actually, Natalie Barney, because she's very unknown, isn't she? Not many people Mm, know about her. But I guess probably because... I I don't want to say the only interesting thing about her, but one of the most interesting things about her is her being a lesbian. (laughs) She did have other qualities, of course, but it was the way that she just went about it. She loved women and was very open about it. She had a temple in her back garden in Paris where she would just fuck women in a temple in her back garden in Paris. Well played. She opened a literary salon just to get women round. It was kind of like one of the first lesbian bars as such where they just hang out and get off with each other. She kind of set up like a network of lesbians where she'd introduce them all to each other. They'd all date each other. 
very much how life is like today with lesbians. You always know someone's ex who's been with someone's ex. And this is sort of what kind of time period are we talking here? 1920s, Paris. There was a woman called Marie Suvestre and she opened schools for women. And Eleanor Roosevelt went to one of these schools and so Natalie Barney. So both of those people who are queer, Eleanor Roosevelt is queer, she's in the book as well. And it's just, I think that whole thing was quite interesting that they both went to the school that was run by this queer lady who encouraged young women to be themselves and to be as independent as possible. And it's quite interesting that those two came out of that with the road that they ended up following. But yeah, Natalie Barney, interesting character, but then also she... I don't know if you've read the book Bad Gays. Yes, I think I have. Yes. We have this thing, don't we, with historical queer people and that we must celebrate them all. But They must be dead nice all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They must be heroes. But there's a bit of uncertainty with her in that during the war, she had to go to Italy to escape. And we don't know if she kind of gave up people that were Jewish or if she, yeah, there was some uncertainty there in that she did it to protect herself or she did it for other reasons or we don't know. So there could have been like some anti-Semite stuff there, which I think it's important to tell because we talk about these women were like, she's great. She's amazing. She had sex in a temple in her back garden. It might have taken the shine off of her for me now. (laughs) Yeah, but then on the other hand, she also may not have been the greatest person. So lesbians can also be arseholes. (laughs) She broke Dolly Wilde's heart. Yeah, but Dolly Wilde was a bit of a wet blanket. Oh, now then. (laughs) But yes, yeah, that was Oscar Wilde's niece, right? Yeah, I think she fell in love with everyone. When I was doing this this research, she always pops up like... Just being sad and in love with people. Yeah, like Ethel Smith, the composer. She kept falling in love with everyone and no one was interested. Oh, right. Okay, so maybe she's not my favourite historical lesbian anymore. I might have to recategorise that one. We don't know for sure. We don't know for sure. but Just a kind of a dark cloud hanging over that one. What about Barbara Smith? She's someone else that you write about in your book. Fascinating figure. I think around that time, second wave feminism, I guess, was becoming the norm, but it was excluding a lot of people, especially black people. So Barbara Smith and Audre Lorde were just like one day sat at their kitchen table, just like, what should we do? We need to do something about this. We need to do something about black voices. And they were just sat at their kitchen table having this chat and decided that they were going to do their own publishing house. And from that, they were going to publish people of colour and the voices that they wanted to hear. Wow, that's incredible, isn't it? And it's raising up those voices. I mean, the history of lesbians of colour is a really interesting history as well. And again, doubly marginalised, doubly silent. Oh, I know. When you look at things like Harlem, which in itself is such an amazing time period Mm. in what happened then with black voices and creativity and literature and music, also the queer element is huge huge massive yeah yeah so not only does it get ignored i mean the history is there if you look for it it's there but the queer history of it is rarely there so it is like you said doubly neglected and if you look at something like the blues history as well your early female yeah. blues singers bessie smith ma rainey lesbian singing about two women about women very openly it seems as well yeah, and very openly got arrested for having an orgy with loads of chorus girls. <gasps> All right, I've switched alliances now. I'm having Bessie Smith as my favourite historical. No, that was Ma Rainey. Oh, Ma Rainey. Right, okay. Both of them, they can be my favourite historical lesbian. Bessie Smith may have busted her out of jail. I think she helped bust her out of jail for it. But there was a movie about Ma Rainey recently and that surprisingly wasn't included. Really? We're still cutting this stuff out, still not telling these stories? It was alluded to, I think. That's where we are now. There's allusions to queerness but it's not the main focus yeah Kirsty you have been so much fun to talk to I can't even begin to tell you thank you and I could just sit here and just name historical lesbian and just keep going forever and ever but I'm not allowed to but my final question just because now I've recategorized my favorite historical lesbian to be Bessie Smith do you have a favorite historical lesbian who would you have liked to have hung out with Well, I'm quite obsessed with Virginia Woolf, but I think she's just my favourite person. I'm just obsessed with her. But I guess favourite lesbian would be Vita Sackville-West, who was her lover. Just because her story is just really funny. She was Anne Lister on steroids. (laughs) 
Now there's a thought. Okay. But also she had this relationship with this other woman called Violet Keppel, who's just also a fascinating figure in that her mum at the time was like sleeping with King George VII. Like he'd just come to their house. Hello, okay. He'd just come to their house and like have sex with their mum and then just leave. Like imagine that happening now. Imagine a royal being sexually indiscreet. Oh no, I know, mental. Vile behaviour. Her and Violet, Vita and Violet were together and they were very much in love and it was very intense and very emotional and they ran off to France and their husbands had to charter a plane to cross the channel to go collect them, which just made me laugh so much because lesbian relationships are just so intense and emotional and dramatic and it was just the drama of all that killed me. But also Vita's husband was gay. So they had like this lavender marriage. There was a big love between them, but they had this lavender marriage. And at the time, he was also dealing with the Treaty of Versailles. So he had like really important things to deal with. Wow. (laughs) But he had to go and get this plane just to go and get his wife, who was like (laughs) getting off with this woman. And he just had to go and bring her back while he was like dealing with that. So that whole story just really makes me laugh. And I just think it's lesbianism in a nutshell is just how dramatic and intense we can be as as lesbians. I love that. Oh, Kirsty, if people want to know more about you and your work and your research, where can they find you? So I'm on Twitter, but I don't really use it much anymore. So Kirsty Law, L-O-E-H-R. And then on Instagram, where I'm more active, Kirsty Law, L-O-E-H-R. And give us the full title of the book. A Short History of Queer Women. Thank you so much for talking to me today. You have just been a ridiculous amount of fun. Thank you very much, so have you. Thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard, you know the drill by now. Please don't forget to like, review and subscribe wherever it is that you get your podcasts. I know everybody says that, but it actually it actually does help us quite a lot. <laughs> but if there's a subject you'd like us to explore, or if you've just been at the Sangria and you want to say hello, well, you can now email us and you can get us at betwixt at historyhit.com. Join me again, Betwixt the Sheets, the history of sex scandal in society, a podcast by History Hit. This podcast includes music from Sappho and Epidemic Sound. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to this episode of Betwixt the Sheets. Please follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and you'll be doing us a big favour. Don't forget, you can also listen to all these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com forward slash subscribe. As a special gift, you can get your first three months for just £1 a month when you use the code BETWIXT at checkout.